Just before we turn to God's word, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the reminder this evening to be thankful in all things. And Lord, we thank you that for your word. We thank you that we can freely read it in such a way that we can often take it for granted. Lord, we pray that as we open your word tonight, you will speak to us and you will give us thankful hearts. Amen. I hear you're looking at Proverbs, or that's what uh, Phil told me. So um, he said I could choose anything in Proverbs except what other people had chosen. I wasn't quite sure what other people had chosen, but I think nobody's looked at Proverbs 3. So if you have, I'm sorry about that, but uh, last message I had, you hadn't. So Proverbs chapter 3, um, beginning at verse 1. Let me just read through these, these verses. My son, do not forget my teaching. But keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them round your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favour and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honour the Lord with all your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Well, I seem to be having a bit of a Proverbs fest at the moment uh, at school. Some of you know I'm chaplain at Emmanuel College. And at school, where uh, I decided in our collective worship, we would work our way through Proverbs. So I've been sort of collecting Proverbs, different, same sort of ideas and theme, and putting them into 40 weeks of this, of this year. Now, our Proverbs for this next week... Uh, or the proverb I was going to be using this next week, is from Proverbs 10, actually, which says, The memory of the righteous will be a blessing, but the name of the wicked will rot. So I asked the youngsters to think about, what will you be remembered for? What's your legacy? Uh, because hopefully you're not wicked and your name will rot, but that uh, you're righteous and you, your memory of you will be a blessing. It's a good question, though, about what will you be remembered for? But putting it in a slightly different way, I know uh, at points when I've had, you know, for, for ta- uh, dedications, thanksgivings of a child, and you have a child in your arms, and you think, what is this child going to grow into? Uh, and equally, working with young people all the time, every day, you start to think, well, you know, what will this child grow into? I hope not the next sort of, you know, serial killer or anything like that, you know, something marvelous and wonderful. I often tell them, when you're famous, remember I used to talk to you. None have come famous yet, so but to give them a few more years, maybe we'll, we'll have a few. Well, but it's a question about what, if you ask a parent of a new child, what do you want of your child? What's your prayer? What's your hope for this child? They will come up with a few themes. And I think all the themes they come up with are here in these verses. Because if you look at Proverbs 3, verse 1, it's framed in this, my son 
Do not forget my teaching. It's a sort of parent speaking to a child. And very much here it's God, isn't it? And God's wisdom speaking to us as his children. And what sort of things do, uh, do parents ask for their children? Well, the first thing they usually ask for or want is a long and peaceful life. It's a bit like the sort of Vulcan blessing, you know, you know, Spock on Star Trek. Can you do your thing? Well done. Yeah, you're all doing your fingers there. Well done. You live long and prosper. Okay. And that's actually the sort of stuff that often many parents want for the children. I just want my child to live a long and peaceful life. And is that just a sort of a heartfelt hope? Or is there something we can do as parents? Is there something we can do as children, if you like, to make sure we have a long and peaceful life? Well, it says, my son, do not forget my teaching. Keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Well, I was asked to preach, actually, at St. James's Bolton a good month or two ago, and they asked me to preach on Psalm 119, which was obviously going to be a very long sermon, because if you know how many verses there are, luckily they cut it down. Uh, and, and a couple of the verses they asked me to preach on were 97 and 98. Oh, how, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. Great couple of verses. But as I was about to sort of preach on this, I just read about how youngsters now uh, are on sort of social networking or on their phone for over 70 hours a week. I think that's slightly conservative, actually. But there we go. And not just young people. It could be quite a lot of people are on their phones. And certainly you have to sort of prize phones off young people last thing at night and make sure they don't answer it in the middle of the night and all that sort of business. So I would have thought King David, as a young person writing Psalm 119, nowadays in 21st century, might say, Oh, how I love my phone. I meditate on it all day long. Social networking is always with me and makes me wiser than my enemies. And you may laugh, but there's a real truth there. How many of us, if we added up our time, and we're not all young, but certainly if you took someone who was younger, how much time would they spend reading God's word and actually just looking at social networking, of actually just seeing the sort of opinions that are put out, if you like, the post-truth era that we live in. We live for fake news and opinions. We get excited about all of this. Even the President of the United States seems to run the country by tweeting. And actually, we're just surrounded by opinion. I mean, notice this now. Whenever anything has happened in the world, what do we do? Do we say, is this good or is this evil? No, we're asked to ring in with our opinion. And everything now is opinion. Everybody is an expert. We've lost faith in experts. So now everybody's an expert. And we just count up how many people think one thing or the other. But when it comes to the maker's instructions for our lives, we don't actually read it very often. And I'm not just talking about people who are not Christians. I'm talking about Christians. Now, I'm preaching. I'm not doing that. I'm preaching to the converted. You're here on a Sunday evening under God's word. But you know that you are in a vast minority, even in our own country, with all the heritage that we have. We need to pray for our children, for the young people, and for our society. Because the only way to live a long and peaceful life is to read the Maker's instructions. And then not just to read them, but to put them into practice. Amos talked about a famine, not of uh, food, but a famine of hearing God's word. And I think we're there. Well, what's the second thing that maybe a parent might ask about their child? They usually say, well, I don't really care what they do, but I want them to be 
happy. Look at verse 4 of uh, Proverbs 3. It talks about winning favor, uh, winning favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. In other words, being popular, being known, being not a celebrity, but being happy and contented and everyone thinking you're wonderful. How can that happen? Well, again, it tells us, verse 3, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them round your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, some things always go together, don't they? Like Morecambe and Wise, Ant and Deck. It's not Deck and Ant, is it? Ant and Deck, Bonnie and Clyde, Fish and Chips. Apart from with my mother. My mother went through a very strange phase of actually calling Fish and Chips, Chips and Fish. Now, I kept on saying to her, you are the only person in the whole world, Mum, who calls Fish and Chips. She used to claim, oh, no, lots of people do. She was never wrong. She's never wrong, my mum. She actually went through at the same time calling umbrellas bananas. There was something very strange going on with her brain, but she got through it anyway, and it's fine. But some things go together. What about love? Love and marriage go together like a horse and carriage. Uh, well, actually, love and marriage, yeah? Uh, but actually, not so much now, okay? But love and faithfulness. It says here, always go together. Love and faithfulness. You know, I have uh, youngsters come up to me, uh, even though I'm an old man, come up and tell me about their boyfriends and their girlfriends. I had one recently come up to me, a 15-year-old girl, and she had, it was her anniversary of being going out with her boyfriend for a year, which sounded pretty impressive. And it certainly is impressive. You think you're only 15. That's a 15th of your, your life. That's quite something. And they have a great desire, the young people, for faithfulness. Just over this last year or so, I've noticed that children come up to me and say something about, and they're complaining about the boyfriend, the girlfriend. They've been unfaithful to me. This phrase has come very much. And when I heard it at first, you get all sort of quite concerned about it. Do you realize it, they really mean my boy, usually, I hope, they mean their boyfriend or girlfriend has been talking to somebody else in the, in the way they shouldn't, or has been saying things that, you know, which are a bit intimate to other people. They've been unfaithful. There is a desire amongst our young people for faithfulness and love to go together. And I have to say, for many of them, they have not experienced love and faithfulness together. They've experienced love in their household and love towards them, but often without faithfulness. It's a fleeting. It comes and it goes. And they want love and they want this faithfulness. And it's something which we as Christians need to write, uh, bind them around our neck, write them on the tablet of our heart. And we're not talking about the digital tablet here, right? That you can delete. This is the idea of engraving in the stone of your heart. Queen Mary I said that when she died, if you cut her open, you'd find Calais engraved on her heart. I've no idea why, but anyway... Don't think Callie's that nice, but anyway, Callie engraved on her heart. But you know what the idea is like? It's like a stick of Blackpool rock. We're meant to have in our heart love and faithfulness engraved all the way through. And it's a really important and it's a really attractive thing that people in our society want to see. Let's be love, love others and be faithful. Because if we do that, says the Lord, we will find happiness and favour and a good name. So happiness and long, peaceful life. What about easy life? Most people want their children to have an easy life with no great problems. There in verse 6, it says, he will make your paths straight. I've just got a car that's got a sat-nav in it, and I have to say, 
it's completely confusing me. I haven't got a clue how to work this thing. I went to somewhere recently, I was doing a funeral. I went to do a funeral somewhere and it got me there perfectly. So on the way back, I didn't really know the way and it was way out up the A1 somewhere. So I put the reverse journey on and it took me a completely different way. What is that about? I was in exactly the same place. One took me on the A1 and the other one it didn't. I was completely lost because I kept on trying to second guess this sat nav that it had gone wrong. In the end, I trusted it, and it actually got me back faster than the other people who had gone the other way. So I should have trusted it. Though you shouldn't always trust the sat-nav, so I hear. It often takes you the wrong way. We want to get the straightest route between A to B without as few sort of cul-de-sacs and blind alleys. And we want that in our life for ourselves and for other people. How can we do it? It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, verse 5. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Trust, lean on him. It's the idea of leaning and relying on him, putting all your weight on him, like I had to do with the sat nav. In the end, I just had to let it lead me, and I had to say, help. I don't know. It, honestly, it got me into a place I'd never been. I thought I'd been everywhere around here, and it got me into a place I'd never been before, and, uh, but it got me home. Don't, it says in verse 7, be wise in your own eyes. Well, you know, when we try to be wise in our own eyes, it sometimes get into a mess. So Walter Scott wrote a poem and it said, Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. Right? We all know that one. Okay, it's the only bit of the poem I know as well. Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. I can remember as a young minister at St. Peter's Shipley preaching the sermon that I loved, uh, I loved tripe. Now, this was true, that I do like tripe. I like raw tripe, honeycomb raw tripe, those who know these things. And you put vinegar in the honeycomb, yes, somebody are nodding their head, with chips. And it has to be good, fresh chips straight out the, uh, you know, the chip pan. I love that. And I said this, and a little old lady then invited me around for a lunch, uh, for lunch and said, I've done your tripe. And I said, oh. Great. She'd done me tripe and onion cooked. Have you ever had tripe and onion cooked? It's sloppy. It's horrible. I honestly couldn't really get it down me. But anyway, I thought I've got to be polite. And I said, oh, lovely, lovely, you know, and I ate all of this. Well, of course, she invited me again in a couple of weeks' time. For three years, I had to keep going around and eating sloppy, horrible uh, tripe and onions out of the oven. Oh, if only I'd have been honest. It had avoided all that problem. When we deceive, for whatever good reason, don't we? When we tell one lie, you have to tell another lie, and then you have to tell another lie to cover that lie, and you end up going all over the place. The biggest deception is with ourselves, being wise in our own eyes, thinking that we can lean on our own understanding. My youngest lad, poor lad, had his first job yesterday. He went for his first job. And he was on a, on a, he'd got an interview, got through, went for the job, serving on somewhere. And he went and he, he, he did it. So he was a, it was a trial. And he got back. And he says, oh, it's easy. It's easy. I did really, really well. They were impressed with me and everything. Got a text today saying that was the end of the trial. That was it. No more job from now on. So I, I was trying to say to him, and he said, oh, it's all their fault. They just like, they only want girls there. I said, look. I spoke to him. I said, look, maybe we need to, you need to ring them up and try and find out what went wrong. And I know he won't because he wants to be wise in his own eyes. He'll grow up. He'll learn. He's only 16. He'll learn. 
it's so easy not to give in and think we know best. But when we give in to the Lord and say, help us, show us the way, we have an easier life. Our paths are made straight. What else might a parent ask for a child? A healthy life. And it's there in verse 8. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. How do we get a healthy life? Well, it says again in verse uh, 9. No, in verse, where am I? Verse 7. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Fear the Lord, respect the Lord and shun evil. Be clean in our lives watching a program a few weeks ago on panorama about clean diets apparently in thing that we have clean diets some of them make a lot of sense but they're beginning to get into situations where they're sort of pseudo-scientific sort of uh, you eat this don't eat that and don't eat that and you'll live long and all that sort of business jesus wouldn't have had much time for that that's there's a great passage in mark chapter 7 where he says it's not what you put into your mouth and go and you swallow and it goes into your stomach that will make you unclean because whatever you put in your stomach just goes out the end it's a lovely bit where jesus you read it he says he evacuated into the drain he actually says in other words you just nip to the loo and it's all gone he says it's not what you put into your stomach because it won't go into your heart it's what comes out of your heart that makes you unclean and he gives a list of quite challenging things and it's not really our real health it's not just what we eat i know what we eat can affect us but it's not what we really eat it's a lot of other things it's the bad things that we watch it's the bad things that we think about that we ponder on in our lives that can make us ill Unfortunately, in my, uh, my job, I have to deal in, in terms of safeguarding, which I do as safeguarding lead at uh, where I am. I have to deal a lot with uh, youngsters who get themselves into all sorts of problems through, uh, through doing things that they shouldn't have done, mainly on the Internet. And, and that brings great, great worry to them and anxiety uh, and illness. And one of the ones, of course, at the moment is taking a photograph, an intimate photograph of yourself because somebody has asked you or blackmailed you or because you just thought it was a good idea at the time and sending it to someone. And before you know it, it's gone viral and everyone's seen it and everyone in school's seen it. And of course, it's not fair on our young people now. As I explained to them, it's one click to take the photo and it's one click to send it. I always say to them, now, when I were a lad... When I were a lad, we'd have to go out and buy a film. Put the film in the fridge, keep it nice and right, take the film out of the fridge, open the back of the thing, put the film in the camera, try to put it on that spool. Do you remember? A number of times, and you wind it on, and it didn't wind on, you'd have to open it, and you'd expose it. You'd fiddle around with it, and you'd get the film in, and then you'd find a flash. You wouldn't have any batteries, so you have to go and find some batteries. you put the flash on. You then try and take a picture of yourself if you wanted to do, with a camera with a flash. Once you've got it, you have to take the film out again. You then have to go to the chemists. You go into the chemist, you give it over, write your name down, pay some money, put it in an envelope. You have to wait several days. It comes back to you, and you'd be extremely embarrassed if you'd taken a picture of yourself in a slightly intimate picture. Probably got a big sticky thing over it on the picture, but they, they send it back to you. You take out the photograph, you get an envelope, you write the address of the person, find a stamp, put it on, and then go to the post box and send it. By the time you've done all of that, you probably thought, this isn't such a good idea. <laughs> but two clicks. Come. And so much, and we wonder why so many youngsters have emotional and mental health issues at the moment, the pressures that they're under. It's not because they're any more evil than any of us were when we were younger, for the older ones here. It's just that it's so, it's so there. It's so all 
around. The way to have a healthy life, body, mind and spirit, emotionally, spiritually, physically, is to respect the Lord's ways and to shun evil. What else should we do? If we want, many parents would like to have their children to have a prosperous life, to be well off. Well, look at verse 10. Your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. That's great. Doesn't it remind you of Jesus changing water into wine there? He changes water into wine, didn't just change it to sort of cheap plonk from Aldi's. He changes it into vintage wine. And I, on my reckoning, I did a little bit of reckoning on my, on my calculator here. It's nearly a thousand bottles of wine he changed, okay, to vintage wine. Can you imagine a thousand bottles of, well, no, I can't because I know you don't, even, you know, I, I don't even know what a vintage wine is, but you know what I mean, a well-off wine. One you have to pay a lot for. A thousand bottles talk about when jesus said that i have come to bring life and bring it in abundance not just a little bit but massive and that's here isn't it completely how can we have an abundant life how can we have enough and be content with our lives it's not saying you're just going to be rich all the time obviously but it is saying you're going to have enough how can we do it well it says verse 9 honor the lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your crops it's about being generous it's giving to the Lord and to the Lord's work. Jesus said in, uh, I think it was in Luke, give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together to see if you can get any more in, running over and it will be poured into your lap. It will just completely pour over into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Principle. If we want to have enough, give. It's counterintuitive, isn't it? doesn't seem to work give and you will have enough but it's a biblical principle which i think many of us here will know works we might not get a thousand bottles of vintage wine through the door and probably don't want it but we have enough or finally the last thing that often parents ask for the children they want their children to have a life which is valuable which is valued which is purposeful that they will feel loved and accepted. Look at verse 12. It talks about a father delighting in his son. Father delighting in his son. I know uh, tonight when I get home, my dad will be ringing because he rings every Sunday evening. And some of you will know my dad from years back, used to come and preach here. It's very boring that I come as well, isn't it? But there you go, father and son. But he came, uh, uh, used to come uh, and speak at Keswick and things like that. And uh, he's nearly 86. His short-term memory is beginning to go. But the one thing he always asks me is, what have you done today? Always on a Sunday night, what have you done? And so if I've been preaching somewhere, I often have. I'll say, and tonight I'll be saying, I'm preaching at Sunbridge. And he'll go off and a paean of praise for Sunbridge. What a good job. How many people were there? Oh, isn't that marvellous and everything. It's funny, I always feel incredibly valued when he does that. Because he believes that preaching and teaching the word is the greatest calling. And uh, that's what he lived by. And so when I'm doing it, it just feels, he, I feel really valued. On the few Sundays when I haven't been out and I've just worshipped, you know, at Holy Trinity in my home church, he goes, oh. <laughs> then I try and tell him about what I've done in the midweek as a chaplain it doesn't have quite the same effects but anyway there we go she doesn't quite understand uh, what on earth am I doing there but isn't it lovely and parents are a bit we always cuts a bit in those two ways isn't it? but isn't it lovely to feel valued whether by a parent or by someone else that our life is purposeful talking to someone just this morning who was just desperate for her life 
to feel purposeful. Here it is, purposeful. But there's a twist to this. Look at verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. I can remember my mother smacking me. Smacking's gone out a bit, hasn't it, really? And especially as a safeguarding officer, I have to look down on it somewhat. But parents are smack. I can remember my mother smacking me, me trying to get out of the way. She's smacking me on the legs. And then afterwards, she'd always say to me, I only smacked you because I love you. You know, it's hurting me more than you. Yeah, have you said that? And as a kid, you think, oh, well, no rubbish. And of course, as you grow up, you think, you know, I'll see what they meant now. <laughs> Because there is that sense if you love a child, and it's certainly biblical, if you're a love your child, you want to guide them in the right direction. You want to redirect them. And sometimes it does feel like our barns aren't filled to overflowing and our vats aren't brimming over a new wine. We feel that things are hard and difficult. We've, talked, we've heard a bit about it tonight. And it's that ability to say God is sovereign. God is the almighty heavenly father. And therefore, even though he hasn't brought these things on me, he is allowing them. He is allowing them into my life. What, what is the Lord saying to me through these things? How is he redirecting me? How is he getting me just to think and to value what is really important in, in, our, in my life? Because the Lord delights in me. Because I'm his child. So, we've read here how the Lord offers us a long and peaceful life. Happiness and good name, an easy life with straight paths, a healthy life, a prosperous life, a life of value and worth. And I pray that for my children. I hope you pray it for your children, your grandchildren, your nephews and nieces, and also all those you come in contact with. I pray it for my children I deal with every day at school because I pray for them that they are God's children. I tell them they're all God's children and that I want them to become the people that God created them to be. But actually at heart, I need this for myself. I need to have all of those things. I need to have a peaceful life. I need to have a happy life and a good name. I need to have a life which isn't going off in the wrong directions, a healthy life, a prosperous life, a life of value. I want to be like Christ. Did you notice the verse right in the middle? of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 4. Then you will win favour and a good name in the sight of God and man. Did that give you a bit of a, an echo in the New Testament? In Luke chapter 2, verse 52, it talks about Jesus. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favour with God and man. What do we want to be like for ourselves, for our children, for our next generation? We want them to be like Christ. And it may involve painful crucifixion but it will involve resurrection and it will involve a good name that has lasted 2,000 years and an eternal life a long life and prosperity and certainly a life which is fully valued and of total importance let's just bow our heads for prayer Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray that more people will come back to your word rediscover your word as exciting and as relevant and Lord, we pray that our generation may discover you, Lord Jesus, and become more like you. And we pray that for ourselves here today. Amen.